On his way to meet his soon-to-be wife, Rose's cousin Sven is making a stop in Miami before going to St. Olaf. Unfortunately, Rose gets called into work and Blanche is stuck taking Swin around town. But when she uses him to make a beau jealous, the message gets jumbled and Sven is in love, but not with his bride, with Blanche. Will Blanche be able to let Sven down easy? Will Sophia talk Dorothy into letting her get her driver's license? Will Big Sven and Big Sven 2 correct the situation? All of that and more in today's episode A Visit from Little Sven. Thank you for the friendship. We've come so far and traveled wide. You're my best friends. I could never lie. I love when we party, dance, and sing, and laugh just doing our thing. No matter the misters that come and go. We're feeling groovy as we slowly zoom in on the house, where we, and Sophia, find Dorothy on the couch reading the newspaper. Sophia, in her favorite teal house dress, plops on the couch next to her daughter, who is wearing that drab brown taupe wrap with brown khakis. She has a demand. She needs her driver's license. Perhaps, given her close friendship, Sophia was planning on doing the police stunt work for Burt Reynolds' 1988 film, Switching channels. Burt Reynolds is in the hot seat. I think my ex-wife is cracking up. Kathleen Turner is in the spotlight. The captain here has just informed me the police have finally captured the infamous Southside sniper. And Christopher Reeve is infatuated with himself. I love her a staggering amount. They're airing more than front page news. Are you sure, darling? Sure. In Switching Channels, premieres Saturday, February 18th on HBO. The best movies. Or maybe the real reason is that Sophia wants to feel her former sense of independence. Why, just that morning, she was proving to her friend at the senior center that she was a natural redhead, something age wouldn't allow her to prove. When Sophia tried to use her license, which listed her as a redhead, she realized it had expired. So why should she have a license? Well, she wants to engage her brain in the learning process, she wants to feel youthful by having a license, and to be independent to go where she wants, when she wants, if she wants to. Dorothy understands, but she is also, maybe a bit harshly, realistic. Sure, Ma, you were a good driver, but since the last time you were behind the wheel, your eyes and reflexes, both very important to driving, have only gotten worse. And you're 81 for crying out loud. After feeling offended by the truth, Sophia asks Dorothy, Okay, I have all that going on, but you're what, Magic Johnson? Who at the time was one of the best players in the NBA, and this was a few years before his 1991 announcement of contracting HIV. Hearing the desperation in her mother's voice, Dorothy finally agrees. Okay, she'll help her do what she needs to prepare for her driver's test, but if for even a second she feels like it may be too unsafe, She's calling the whole thing off. Sophia isn't concerned about any danger. Driving a car and driving a man wild are much the same. 
You might hit a few bumps, but what's important to remember in both cases is that mirrors will make objects appear bigger than they are. Yowza! What was going on in the Petrillo bedroom? Not wanting to think about her parents' bedroom proclivities, Dorothy is happy to be interrupted by Ellen, who has come bursting in. She has teeth. See? That is so rare. You never see that. I mean, anybody can paint a little closed mouth, you know. <gasps> Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, tell me that's not a snake. And is it possible, is it just possible that he wants a little more than a ham dinner, huh? Uh-huh. Huh? From the kitchen. The blue giraffe-printed blouse with white undershirt and blue skirt-wearing Blanche is all aflutter as she has been stood up by Floyd McCollum, not McCullough, just one hour before he was supposed to come pick her up and take her on a joyride in his new Mercedes. Apparently, this Floyd fella has to go visit his sick mother in the hospital. No, Dorothy, Blanche isn't upset because he made that story up. His mother is in the hospital. But he can go there whenever he wants. Blanche is only available for a date that night. Unfazed by her friend's lack of moral scruples, Dorothy gets back to her paper before being interrupted once again, this time by Rose, who has come home in a whisper of Pepto-Pink cardigan over a gold and white dress. She's returned from the bakery with her special cake before her cousin Sven, who's coming to Miami for a visit, got to the house. Poor sweet Rose. She didn't just go to her grocery store for a cake— no, she went to an erotic bakery, specializing in cakes for bridal showers, bachelor parties, and special Floridian-shaped welcomes. Opening the box, Dorothy nearly goes cross-eyed at the size, shape, and I can only assume frosted depictions of male genitals in cake form, which, depending on the mood and temperature, can look remarkably like Florida. The large phallus has Blanche forgetting all about old what's-his-date and remembering she should call her old friend Charlie Milburn. If the lap-sized cake has brought him to mind, Dorothy's pretty sure they could both call him and he'd be okay. Now where's that HBO spinoff, The Many Lovers of Charlie Milburn? I suggest that we select the cake first. Okay. Because the cake more often determines what kind of wedding that you end up having. So let's just choose the cake, okay? Barely able to take her eyes off the kick, Dorothy tries to move the uh, conversation uh, further. So, uh, where were we? Oh, right. So, in regards to Sven, is it time for us to do the Richmond Street bed swap? A.K.A. will he be staying at the house? And if so, who will be sleeping where? Of course he will be, but only until Saturday when he has to fly to St. Olaf to meet his fiancée. Their separate flights aren't due to them having a bad travel agent. It is literally to meet his fiancée. They are getting hitched via a traditional Viking arranged marriage, which, when they did it back in the old times, the proposal was made by either the father or son to the woman's father. Marriage was really used as more of a way of bringing two families together like a business merger, not out of love. With the same horror as the film's referenced, Jaws, Jaws 2. Now, Martin, let's not, uh... Let's not what, Larry? What? Oh, Jesus, Larry, huh? Come on, let's just forget it. He won't listen. It's obvious the man has made up his mind. You bet your life I've made up my mind. But I'm telling you and I'm telling everybody at this table that that's a shark. And I know what a shark looks like because I've seen one up close. And you better do something about this one because I don't intend to go through that hell again. Psycho, Psycho 2, 
Rose is going on about her family and the Svens. Big ones, little ones, big ones part two. It doesn't get confusing, I guess, because they're all a bunch of idiots. Dorothy has a problem with the idea of a woman being found by Big Sven in St. Olaf, then sending for his son, Little Sven, to then move there from the old country. Blanche has no issue with it. She and George had a deranged marriage, too, like when they would play haunted dress-up. In a somewhat rare Rose-inspired moment, Blanche has gone totally dumb, mixing up arranged with deranged. Moving on from the confusion, Blanche is saved by the bell when little cousin Sven, meaning boy or lad, finally arrives. Joking that the large man in a boring 80s suit with a yellow button-up and suspenders has grown, Sven points out that the two have never met. But yes, technically, he has grown. And we might have a little bit of a plot whoopsie here. During the Piece of Cake episode, Rose claims to have been around some Svens. Perhaps this was a case of her being around Big Sven and Big Sven 2? It kind of reminded me of a party back in St. Olaf when I was a little girl. <laughs> Big Sven and Little Sven were celebrating the first anniversary of their smoked herring hoagie house. <laughs> when Big Sven... Playing the not-so-little six-foot-two Sven is Casey Sander. He's still acting, adding even more credits to his 133 existing. Recent projects have included The Big Bang Theory, The Ranch, The Neighborhood, Grace and Frankie, and Grey's Anatomy. Besides basically every show from the early 2000s, he also appeared in all of the 80s programs we've referenced with basically every other guest star. You know, The Falcon Crests and TJ Hookers. He's probably best known for his role as Wade Swoboda in Grace Under Fire, but if you're a late-gen Xer or an elder millennial, you're probably most familiar with Casey from his work as Tim Allen's chum, Rock, on Home Improvement, where he was lucky enough to take part in this classic television musical moment. It's really embarrassing. No. Have there been, I wonder if there's been any home improvement podcasts. Oh my God, we just start watching home improvement. I mean, I'm sure there's, there'd be a lot to dissect, but the I fact that it'd be he, so hard to get through. The fact that he never talked to his wife about it. She was a big inspiration for me of like what not to become as a, as a wife or a partner or a grown woman or, and like what not to put up with. I'm like, how many times are you going to let him buy a car with concert ticket money or like forget the kids somewhere because of what like ma'am you're just angry all the time be done i hope those characters got divorced yeah they needed to and then just kind of forgot about the the, the youngest one <laughs> he just like they were just like we don't we don't like him enough oh yeah the little blonde kid yeah They're like he sucks <laughs> he's too quiet yeah <laughs> When Dorothy gets Rose's attention and requests she and Blanche get introductions, Rose is now the witty as so fitty when she jokingly introduces Blanche to Dorothy, Dorothy to Blanche. Well, if they aren't careful, Sven will be thinking Rose is the smartass and Blanche is the dummy. Speaking of dummies, these annoying jokes are like living in a house of Howie Mandel's. And I yelled out at one, I said, you know what I like in my women? My d***ing <laughs> 
That was an inside joke. Okay. Ever the one to offer a warm welcome, Blanche offers Sven congratulations on his upcoming nuptials. When he responds with shyness, not sure about how things will go as he hasn't really dated much, Blanche tells him to get out of here. A tall, handsome, strong Viking man like that isn't getting action with the ladies? No way. Well, it's now confirmed that Rose and Sven are related when he naively takes Blanche's get out, literally, seeing himself to the door. Needing to get her cousin and his luggage back, Rose runs after him, leaving Dorothy and Blanche with the horrifying realization that Rose got the smarts in her family. Sitting at the kitchen table in what can only be described as a Franken-sweater, Dorothy is looking through a driving manual when her mother, in her Easter pastel checkered dress with yellow cardigan, comes in. Without a greeting, she gives the direction for her daughter to meet her outside. She's pulling the car up. For Dorothy, the caveat of teaching her mother to drive again was that they first go through all of the driver's manual, getting refreshed on all of those pesky rules. Proving why she needs to study when asked how much distance there should be between her parked car and a fire hydrant, Sophia responds, what, like I'm a poodle? In Oregon, the law is that you are 10 feet away. And if you ever want to experience some schadenfreude, I highly suggest Googling fire hydrant parking. The images of these, do you know who I am, people who just park at a hydrant and it just so happens to be needed? and their windows have been busted out so the hose can be run through their vehicle, it is so good. Coco. Yo. How did you do on your driver's test? Did you go when you were 16? No, I didn't get my license, I think, until I was almost 18. (gasps) I just didn't need one, and I was kind of afraid of driving. Well, you were in L.A. That's fair. It's a scary city to drive in. It's the scariest place to drive. But once I I got into driving and started doing it all the time, I... I feel that I gained some valuable skills behind the wheels. And you got it on your first try? I did get it on my first try because I went to a place that was like known for being super easy. <laughs> of course. So it was like way out in the <laughs> suburbs. And uh, I feel like it was like 10 minutes. And like the hardest thing I had to do was, a par- was parallel parking, which is like that was not a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think I had to do a three-point turn. And they, they were like, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> it was very easy. Nice. I made the horrible decision of going on my 16th birthday because from when I was about 10 or 11, all I wanted was my license. So that day came and I was like, I can get my license. And I got dressed up and I told everyone, it's my birthday and I'm coming back with my license. It was something that was like totally out of my control. I think someone had pulled out in front of me quickly or something or they had run a stop sign and I had to brake really hard. And they're like, you braked hard. You failed. And I was like, oh, but no, that how what? And and I had to go back to school and be like, please don't talk to me. <laughs> I don't care. It's my birthday. Don't acknowledge my existence. And everyone's like, do you get your license? I was like, no, I failed. In a teal dress, Rose, and in his more appropriate for Sweden than Miami, but nevertheless fabulous brown and white sweater paired with a yellow turtleneck, Sven, have come home from the grocery store. They got up early so they could get what they needed for breakfast before seeing the sights. Dorothy hopes they took advantage of their sightseeing while at the store and took a picture with the cutout of the Charmin spokesman, Mr. Whipple. Reckon I can. Now you women folk, stop squeezing that Charmin. But Charmin's so soft. 
irresistible. Has deep down squeezable softness. It smells good, too. Please don't squeeze the Charmin. Be out of town by sundown. Mr. Whipple. Politely, Sven offers to make the Italian women a Nordic breakfast, a classic oatmeal made with yak intestine crackers, a.k.a. yak snacks. The ladies don't have to verbalize a no. It's pretty clear they won't be partaking. In a light pink top and pants, Blanche comes in and says hello to her girls and Swin. She can't be bothered to tangle her southern accent enough to try to pronounce a Sven. Even when she's corrected, you know, so she can be polite and say his name the right way out of decency, she just brushes it off. Getting ready to go out with Floyd on his yacht after he canceled the sports car ride the night before, Blanche needs to borrow Dorothy's windbreaker. But as Blanche goes on with excitement about the date and the surrounding plans, Dorothy tries to interrupt, and Blanche knows why. It's because Floyd canceled again. But she doesn't want to hear it until she has to hear it when Dorothy says it out loud. He has canceled. Fed up with the rejections from the owner of the most successful animal neutering company in the greater Miami area, Blanche has had it. She doesn't care about anything they've had together. The rejection is too much, and from that moment on, he is dead to her, and she's never going to speak to him again. Now, I do love some prop comedy, not like Howie Mandel's, but like here, when Blanche leaves after her little fit, only to come in the same door on the next swing because she heard the phone ring and was hoping it was Floyd. Sadly for Blanche, it was a call for Rose. It was bad news, and now she has to tell Sven. After she tells him it's bad news, he figures it's probably bad news. The stupidity and redundancy of the conversation has Sophia wondering if they were the cousins in Deliverance. Back to the news. Turns out Rose has been called into work, leaving her cousin without a tour guide. Well, Sophia and Dorothy won't be able to help. They have driving plans, so the only place they're going is the parking lot behind the mall. And that won't help Sven. Rose already showed him that. Luckily, Blanche was stood up yet again, leaving her with a day of no plans. Pushing her to get out of the house, Dorothy and Rose talk her into having a day on the town with Sven. Realizing she'd be spending her day seeing the sights with a Viking on her arm, Skaggy! Skaggy! She's decided it's a better option than thinking about old what's-his-name. Helping his forgetful friend, Sven reminds her, Floyd. Yeah, thanks, Swin. It's decided. Sven is Blanche's for the day, so she can call and do with him what she wants. Taking us to a new location, Blanche and Sven are in a fancy restaurant with yellow chairs and yellow checkered tablecloths. The two have had such a wonderful day seeing the town, especially all of the women's shoe stores, that he would like to buy her lunch. Before she can pass him the check, she catches a shocking sight from the corner of her eye. Of all the restaurants on all the days, it's Floyd. And he's there with a date, a young date. So young, she's at least half of Blanche's age. Forgetting that he had warned her he didn't have much experience with women, Blanche walks Sven through the steps of a tabletop flirtation. Hold my hand, look into my eyes. Finally, when Floyd reaches the table, she goes in for the kiss. 
Pretending she hadn't noticed, Blanche acts surprised to see him and his child-aged date. Playing Floyd McCallum is Chuck Whaling, who had a busy five-year acting career, making appearances on A-Team, Jake and the Fat Man, Highway to Heaven, Dynasty, Quantum Leap, Major Dad, Santa Barbara, Bold and the Beautiful, and Days of Our Lives, those last two having multiple appearances. His date, Linda, was uncredited. When Floyd, the lying, ghosting date-breaker, tries to explain himself, Blanche continues playing dumb, acting as though Linda, Floyd's date, is his daughter. He clarifies she's just a friend, and she excuses herself. Feigning embarrassment at getting caught, Blanche starts to feed Sven, reenacting the romance she swears was taking place just moments before. Excusing the both of them from the table, Blanche declares they are headed back to Sven's place. He's even more confused than before, wondering how they'll get through sailing the Cape of Good Hope at this time of year. I'm not sure how Sven was planning on getting home. I guess the really long way around? Passing through the Panama Canal, going across the world, and then going underneath the furthest southern tip of Africa? Hitting Sven with a napkin, they decide to leave the restaurant. Getting back to the house, Dorothy flings the door open, ready to kiss the ground in appreciation of being alive. That was it. She is never getting into a vehicle with her mother again. In the short drive they just took, she hit a mailbox, ran a stop sign, and almost drove over their neighbor. Sophia doesn't see what the big deal is. Her neighbor is already in a wheelchair. What more could be done? Oh boy, Sophia. Noticing Dorothy's smudged lipstick when she enters the room, Blanche asks what's going on. Well, Dorothy was, in fact, so happy to be home, she kissed the driveway. Coming home from work to find everyone in the living room, Rose is also happy to be home. When Sophia attempts to recruit her as her driving instructor, she makes a deal. Sure, I'll teach you how to drive, and you can teach me how to cook like an Italian. Knowing that someone who delights in yak snacks could never be an actual Italian cook, Sophia is certain Rose must be joking. After a day of an overload of manic-depressive cases, oh boy, as if everyone with bipolar sinks their cycles, another oh boy, Rose is exhausted. And you can't really help a depressive episode with just a few knock-knock jokes. Hearing the absurd story of the day, Dorothy can't help but laugh out a knock-knock. Who's there? <laughs> Triggering a hilarious comedy exchange with Rose asking, who's there? Earning a beloved, shut up, Coco. Do you want to take that again straight, just in case? No. All right. Because <laughs> I like that. <laughs> in celebration of Sven's upcoming wedding, Rose wants to throw him a party. But Sven can't have a party because he can't get married. Because he's never met that girl. And he can't love her because he loves someone else. With a twist of a head reminiscent of a bird, Sven lets out his little secret. He's in love with Blanche. This leaves the room in a stunned silence and Blanche looking away in shock. With a nervous giggle, Blanche assures him he's not in love with her. But he knows what he knows. He loves her. For Rose, this is a potentially family-ruining disaster. She'd have to call her uncle with bad news of her own. That she was babysitting his son for one day and this floozy came along, undoing all of the wedding plans.
In a much more respectable way than the last few episodes, Dorothy asks Blanche if something happened between them while they were out for the day that would lead Sven into thinking they were in love. When Blanche gives her a blank look, Sven fills in the blanks. Did you tell them we kissed? Kissing him? That you stroked my hair? Stroking his hair? What about how you fed me? All right, I'll say it. Feeding him? So upset she's out of strength to react, Dorothy takes over. Hearing about all of the kissing and touching and stroking and feeding, Rose can't believe Blanche would do this. Not only is Finn an engaged man, but this affects all of the families involved. Unlike previous arguments, Blanche doesn't disagree. She owns up to the kisses, but they're easily explained. Yes, they went out to eat, and then Floyd showed up. So she used Sven to make Floyd jealous. Asking if she was very clear about all of that with Sven, Dorothy is worried Blanche only assumed he would pick up on it, which is exactly what she did. Even though he is so naive and inexperienced, he even offered to go kill dinner for them the night before. As well aware as she is of her sexual powers, Blanche didn't see any harm in wielding them recklessly. Sure, the whole ordeal can be seen as her using Sven in a game just to upset another man, but on the other hand, Sven was lucky enough to get to kiss Blanche, which, you know, is about as special as kissing the Pope's ring. And doing so has been a tradition going all the way back to the Middle Ages. But some more recent popes, most famously Pope Francis, have been caught on tape pulling the magic hand away because they didn't want to spread germs. Other popes have passed on the ring kissing to speed up the process of greeting people. Hey, a uh, quick question for the Pope. Um, how can there be an issue with germs if, you know, you're like the Pope? If someone gets sick, is that like God's plan? Or wouldn't they be protected from germs since you're like the Pope? Gmail us. Did you have to have pictures of the Pope up in all of your classrooms? I looked at a picture of the Pope every day of my life from kindergarten through eighth grade, baby. Was it the same Pope? Was it that one guy? Um, John. Yeah, my guy, John, John Paul the Second. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, you know the little guy. Yeah, he was cool. He was, he was a cute little. I mean, not he, cool, but he's a cute little pope. He was a cute pope. I, yeah, that was my pope. <laughs> and I, 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 I dream about him every night. <laughs> Lucky. It's clear a talk with Sven is needed, but Blanche is only skilled in turning men on, not off. That's when she gets a great idea. Why not have Dorothy, the queen of turnoffs, go have the talk with him? Oh, she'd be happy to, but she's worried her extreme lack of appeal will only drain him of all sexual desire. Poor Blanche. As far back as when she was the head cheerleader in high school dating the quarterback, she didn't know how to end a relationship. So back then, instead of dumping Carwell Honeycutt, the most southern of names, she had her team create a cheer. Two, four, six, eight. Who will Blanche no longer date? Carwell! He got the picture, and the band didn't even have to join in. Having been in the same situation, Dorothy knows what breaking up with someone is like. Dating a guy that would mooch all of her family's food, take over the TV, and burp along to the music in the show, Sophia and Sal told Dorothy she would have to end things with this guy. So she made plans to meet with this guy at a coffee shop. And when she got there, it seemed the job had taken care of itself because when she arrived, she found him necking with a barista. 
Even though she was getting cheated on, Dorothy still couldn't end things. And 38 years later, Stan is still ruining her life. With a little smirk that tells us she did love him, annoying habits and all, Dorothy proudly proclaims that to this day on a single Dr. Pepper, Stan can burp an entire chorus of Sweet Georgia Brown. A jazz tune written in 1925, I was surprised to learn Sweet Georgia Brown even has lyrics, which were inspired by a Georgian House of Representatives member who named his daughter after his beloved state. But I've only known the song as the theme for the Harlem Globetrotters. Heading into the living room to break Sven's heart, Blanche leaves. For Rose, she feels the only fair response from Sven would be to shave her head and top it with an itchy hat. Dorothy then compares that treatment to some Middle Eastern ideas of punishment, which, yes, there have been cases of women getting their heads shaved from family or partners, but, you know, oh boy. Finding a sad Sven on Rose's bed, Blanche goes in and sits on the chest at the end of the bed. This is all a really quite cute exchange. Sven apologizes for having acted so extremely. It was just a kiss, and then he acted like that? Kindly, Blanche assures him he has nothing to apologize for. His reaction could have come from anything. Did he get weird because he's nervous about his upcoming marriage to a stranger? Maybe. Or that he's just inexperienced and naive. Or that he's never been with a woman as gorgeous as Blanche. For Blanche, it's all of those things. For Sven, it's none of them. He's been thinking about all of it, and he knows his behavior came from him genuinely liking her. She's smart, pretty, sexy, sophisticated, all of which she can't deny. But she must deny him. He doesn't know her. There's no way he can love her. Even when Blanche explains that the intimacy they shared at the restaurant was only to make Floyd jealous, Sven doesn't care. In fact, he agrees with what she did. Who the hell was Floyd to reject Blanche? This support, especially coming when she's feeling so vulnerable and rejected, has Blanche sitting at Sven's side the twinkle in her eye changing from, I have to break his heart, to, maybe there is something here. Especially when he reminds her of how she felt seeing Floyd with that young date. How old and useless that must have made her feel. Making a legitimate argument for a chance at a relationship, Sven makes good points. Sure, they don't know each other, but he recognizes her beauty and loveliness. He may not know a lot about women, but he knows Blanche deserves better. By the end of the conversation, Blanche is willing to consider a relationship with Sven. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! I read you. With a look of, I'm questioning and doubting every decision I've ever made, Blanche leaves the room and Sven on the bed. Back to her newspaper reading, Dorothy is on the couch in her yellow cross top, being interrupted by a gloating Sophia. In all blue, Sophia proudly pushes her newly minted driver's license in Dorothy's face. Well, she's shocked. License or not, Dorothy forbids to let Sophia drive. The adrenaline the fear releases causes Sophia to shake. Or perhaps she's just being sarcastic. To get Dorothy to calm down, Sophia promises she won't be driving. That's not even why she got the license. She just wanted it. It's a symbol of her youth and independence. Also, 
She's going to need 50 bucks to pay back the guy who made the fake ID that she bought it off of. Coco, you have a fake ID story. Could you share? Yeah, this is when I was uh, maybe 18. I think I was out of high school, but go yeah, so I was about to be 19. And, you know, we wanted to get some alcohol. And we heard, I don't know how, but we heard about this place. We're, we're in L.A., so we were like, Heading to downtown. There's a place if you're heading to downtown, you pull off into this McDonald's parking lot. This guy will give you a signal. You give him like 80 bucks and a photo, like a passport photo. Mm -hmm. And then you come back in like an hour or something and they give you a license. <laughs> and I did that. And I they... love too that this is pre-internet. So this is all just like word on the street of this McDonald's parking lot I guy. Couldn't, I couldn't believe it was happening. <laughs> I couldn't. I also couldn't believe I did that. That's shocking. But the thing about it that was just real amateur level stuff was that I put my real name <laughs> and and real address on it but with an updated birthday I mean that's not the stupidest idea because I think I mean I know I've seen in person people get busted because they can't remember the fake stuff yeah so it was just going to be born a few years ago. So earlier. it kind of makes sense. Yeah, it was like It's 70. dumb if you get caught because it's on your information. Or if you lose it. <laughs> so. Did it work? Never used it once. Oh, my God. Never never had to. It was like, I, we were like, we got to get these IDs. And then we just had a very easy uh, pipeline of booze. Older people that we hung out with. I mean, like a year older, two right, years older. Right, just enough to be able to buy booze. Yeah, college people. So oh that was great. God. That's wonderful. So I think I might still have it. If I do, we will share it. We will share it. Yes, I'll look for it. Oh, so embarrassing. I love that you. That's about as far as law breaking as you'll go. You like did it, but then you didn't use it. You know, <laughs> that's very you. Yeah, it was really more the the doing. Yeah. Then, then, yeah. But I, I mean, I, I should have at least tried it. I don't. I guess I was too afraid, and I never, and I never had to. But oh, that's great. But I, I hope did you can do find that. that. It was so weird. It was, yeah. I think it was a, it was a McDonald's on Alvarado Street as you're heading into downtown LA. So, <laughs> check it out. up the illegal document, Dorothy is fed up with her mother's antics. Coming in from the kitchen in her purple robe, Rose is just as devastated. She may not be drinking her caffeinated tea, but she's not sleeping. So the first thing that morning, when the cows got up, because he goes to bed with the cows, she called Big Sven. Well, he is furious, but he's going to solve the problem, and he's going to let her know what to do. When sorbet robe-wearing Blanche comes out to get a magazine, she greets everyone with a good morning, of which Rose is not having. She had a morning getting an earful of Scandinavian swears from a Viking. Blanche recognizes that Sven, who has just come out from Rose's room in a very 80s dark multi-pattern sweater, is a delicate, sensitive man. After he shared his true feelings the night before, Blanche might not be considering breaking things off. But if and when she does, she'll be sure to do it gently. 
When there's someone at the door, Rose answers to find a skinny blonde Swede asking for Rose. Olga Nordstrom is being played by Yvette Hayden. Only acting for five years, Yvette had seven credits, including Light of Day, Wise Guy, This Episode with the Girls, A Cry for Help, Too Young to Die, Tides of War, and Deep Cover. Olga Nordstrom has come to get Sven Lindstrom as she is the unknown bride. With a wow from Sven, he's hooked immediately. With Olga's gentle movements and whisper voice, we're all taken on an ASMR ride. Right? Right? I mean, she really is like an ASMR queen. I'm not alone in this, am I? Not from me, dog. You didn't have ASMR. Well, you don't really get ASMR. I get it sometimes. But I just love how she like reaches for Rose and she kind of like puts both her hands out. And then she's just like, I'm not leaving without you. It's just very, she's very soothing and comforting to me. I like the way that you just said that. That was very soothing and comforting. See, there you go. And I really like the way you said whatever that Sven word was. Wow. Wow. It's very, <laughs> very uh, uh, Tommy Wiseau. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. I know that you take that, that as is a great compliment. compliment. Yeah. <laughs> Huge. Best compliment I've ever paid you. <laughs> oh, you're pretty. Oh, you're kind. Oh, I love you. You're the best thing in my life. <laughs> You sound like Tommy Wiseau. Ah, thank you. Starting out their relationship by putting her foot down, Olga tells Sven she is not leaving that house without him by her side. Dorothy sees this as a great opportunity for Blanche to step in and, you know, break that horrible news to Sven. Watching the drool fall out of Sven's mouth and feeling the palpable tension between the two, Blanche is aware that their little fling is over. Sven feels the same, and he quickly turns to Blanche, and while sounding like every dude who has ever had a line of bull to dump a woman, he starts to explain how he could never satisfy her, which rightfully has Sophia worried. If you can't make Blanche the easiest woman that side of the Mississippi happy, how are you going to please the lean, mean Swedish machine of a supermodel wife over here? With a tone of annoyance and embarrassment, Blanche shoos Sven off, he gives his love to his cousin before asking about his clothes. You know, since he's running out of the door like the place is on fire and he hasn't packed. Sophia takes his words to be more of a direct question, so she answers, Your clothes? They're ugly. What else? Rose assures him that she will mail him his clothes, so the happy couple sees their way out. The girls all see this as a wonderful outcome for everyone. Sven and Olga will be wed. Blanche doesn't have to hurt his feelings. Wonderful. Blanche doesn't see it that way. This is the second man in as many days that has rejected her. Not only just rejected, but both men nearly ran over her just to be with a younger woman. Something she simply can't compete with. She's officially over the hill, just like Rose and Dorothy. But there's more to dating than looks, Rose suggests. Just use your charm and intelligence. Well, how can she learn to do those things? And why would she need to anyway? She just got a call from Floyd, and he is taking her out on a yacht. Forgetting the pain he caused and only happy to have won the jerk's attention, Blanche prepares to go out. While she had been in the same boat as the other ladies, stuck home alone, dateless, she's now going to be in a yacht, so they'll be in a boat together. Not catching the metaphor, Rose is worried about the boat Blanche keeps referencing. Oh, it's nothing, Dorothy assures her. You've already missed it entirely. 
Today's episode is all about communication and not settling. If only Blanche had been clear from the start, Sven wouldn't have been confused. But more than that, they both just decided they were into each other. All it took for Sven was a kiss and some attention. For Blanche to even consider attempting a relationship with this practical stranger who is to be wed to someone else, she just needed some smooth talking. Now, both things, the kiss and compliments, they were lovely, but they shouldn't have been enough for the two to complicate all of the relationships in their lives. Flirting can be thrilling and fun, but it shouldn't be taken too seriously. As always, thank you for listening and thank you for being a friend. Be sure to join us next week for tax season with The Audit. It was terrible. That's why I never tell anybody anything. (laughs) (laughs) I've learned to not have confidence. Thank you. And from this moment on, he's dead to her, and she'll never speak to him again. Making appearances on A-Team, Jake and the Fat Man, Highway to Heaven, Dynasty, Quantum Leap, Major Dags. In just their short ride, she hit a mailbag. Backs. (laughs) (laughs) When Sophia attempts to recruit her as her driving instructor. mm, Instructor. (laughs) Gmail us. Maybe not on that one. <laughs> Maybe not. John Tesh. John Tesh. Ooh, John Tesh. If you take a few letters out, John Tush. spells Josh. <gasps> is he my dad? <laughs> Always Be My Sisters is written, hosted, and created by Alicia Holland. Produced and edited by Josh McCullough. Always Be My Sisters is a Cascade Media production. You'll always be my...